counseling a lying counselee on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to have with me Pastor Josh Greiner. He's originally from Indiana. He went to Purdue University, where he received his B.A. in political science. During his time at Purdue, he received biblical counseling from Faith Church in Lafayette, Indiana, and he was introduced to the biblical counseling movement. After graduating from Purdue, one of the pastors on staff encouraged him to consider going to, into ministry. Eventually, he enrolled in Faith Bible Seminary, where he received his MDiv. While at Faith, he met his wife, Shanna, and they have four children. After spending 10 years on staff at Faith, Josh now serves as a lead pastor of Berean Baptist in Portage, Michigan. And he was certified in 2009 with ACBC, serves as a fellow with ACBC, and teaches in the MABC program at Faith Bible Seminary. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Johnson. It's great to be with you here today. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to this discussion. This is one where it's a little bit awkward when you're dealing with a counselee who either is not telling the full truth or you start to speculate that they're telling lies. And I have students all the time who ask me, Dr. Johnson, what do I do in moments like that? Do I just pause and start asking questions? So I'm looking forward to seeing how we're going to deal with this today, Josh. I'm going to start in this particular place. What are some of the common reasons or desires that you think lead people to lie or not tell the truth in a counseling session? Yeah, I mean, I think you've recognized from the questions that you get from your students and even in our own hearts that they're we are all tempted at certain times to lie. And biblical counseling is about roots and fruits. And so we want to find out what is the desire? What are the reasons that people are choosing to lie to us and to others in the counseling process? Now, I'm going to identify at least three reasons, but I think we all know that in biblical counseling, Uh, The desires could be far more and many than we list here, but at least I think some common ones that I've seen coalesce in the counseling room are these. Number one, just a desire to protect themselves and how they look to those that they love, that those that they want to love them. There's just a desire for protection. And I think that we all get that at some level, that we see that when we tell the truth, There's a belief, there's a thought that when we're honest, that some bad consequences might be coming our way, and we're we're not really wanting those consequences. So I think that we can see there's a genuine desire for people to protect themselves. There's also, if we're just honest with ourselves, an aspect of praise of man that we all wrestle with in our lives. And so that when we're tempted in the counseling room or elsewhere, there's a temptation to the praise of man. So often when you're dealing with someone who's a liar, I think you will find a strong indication that the praise of man is present in their life. And I think that's in one way really helpful because it shows us that these first two desires, they're not unique. They're not strange. They're they're issues that we deal with all of the time in the counseling room right? A desire for protection, a desire for the praise of man. And neither of these things are inherently bad. 
on themselves at face value. It's it's when they take that wrong place. I think the last one that we could identify, but surely again, there's going to be more. We just are identifying some common ones. Is there's a desire for ease, a desire for comfort? Uh, many times when when we're dealing with a counselee, they've they've done something, they've done something wrong, and telling the truth, bringing it out, is going to cause problems, challenges, consequences in their life. And to be honest, they don't want those things. So by lying, they've believed the lie from Satan, from their own flesh. Covering this up is going to be easier. It's going to bring a path of ease that they desire. Now, we all know, Counselee knows that eventually that's not going to be true. But in the moment, that's how sin works. This desire for ease overwhelms, overcomes any of the other desires that they'd have. Again, I think if you're counseling a liar and and you detect other sort of things that are in their heart, other desires that aren't those, that wouldn't be surprising. But we, we know that that's how biblical counseling works. We know that's how the heart works. It's there's some common ones, but then there's other ones that are just they're just different. Josh, I appreciate this. First of all, that you recognize the propensity of all of us as human beings to want to protect ourselves. That when we start drilling down a little bit on particular issues, it's easier to believe something that's not true rather than deal with the reality of the truth that as the light is shined upon our heart and we start recognizing some of the things that are in there, it's easier to just uh, believe something that's, that's not true about it. As counselors, this is often very hard to know. How do we deal with something like this? In, in part because we're, we're taught, and, and rightfully so, that we want to take what the counselee says at face value. We want to believe what the counselee says. We want to trust what they're saying and try to move forward with the information that they're revealing. I mean, after all, they're coming to counseling because they say that they want help. And so this is this is the balancing act, okay? How do we maintain without being overly speculative or scrutinizing everything that they say? How do we trust what they say or have a posture in that direction? But then when we recognize maybe there's some not full truths that are being disclosed, maybe they are hiding some things or maybe they are lying about particulars, what should we do if we think a counselee is lying? Yeah, let me share at least a little bit of my story and then lay out at least what I think are some practical steps. You mentioned in my bio that I went through counseling and I went to Purdue University. It was a Big Ten University. And when I was there for my first two years, I lived like Big Ten University students live. We'll just we'll just leave it at that for now. Eventually found my way into counseling and I was receiving counseling and they had trainees in the room. So so it's hard enough to receive counseling already. But then I have a bunch of other people that I've never seen before. And he is asking all of these incredibly revealing, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed already. And then you got new people. So I'm tempted to lie. But I decided in that moment, I was going to tell the truth. Well, one of my buddies who also came to counseling, not with me, with myself, but got counseling himself, he decided to go, but he decided to lie the whole time. We had the same counselor. So, you know, there was a bit of an overlap in the counseling because we were both coming for kind of the same issues, but he decided to lie the whole time. But what that counselor did in treating him, he didn't take the information I was giving to him and saying, I know you're lying because I'm counseling Josh and Josh is telling me the truth of what you guys are up to. What he did is he followed these steps 
And eventually, not right away, eventually that broke the ice in his heart and it led to him coming to repentance. So he was in the counseling room. He was lying and the counselor knew he was lying, but he didn't use information wrongly. So I'll walk you through what he did. And I think it was a mastercraft in counseling. Number one, he, he asked a lot of questions. I think in biblical counseling, we know we have to gather relevant data, but we as counselors need to assume that we have the facts wrong. If we think that something is going wrong where our counselee is lying to us, then I think we should begin with our own heart and say, am I asking the right questions? Am I asking them in the right way? Where have I left room for there to be a misunderstanding that's on me, right? We're looking at ourselves first and foremost. And I would just remember that that's a skill. Um, as I do counseling training and supervision, what I've gathered is asking really good questions at the right time is hard. You don't want to sound like a police officer and, and uh, you want to sound like somebody who cares for them and you want to be someone who cares for them. So asking really good questions, asking lots of questions, but not coming off as a police officer or uh, as one of my mentors once told me, you're not the junior Holy Spirit. Your job is not to try to bring conviction in this man's life. You mentioned number two in your kind of transition there that we have to believe the best. I believe that we volitionally have to do that, right? It is an act of our will that we choose to, at times, we will believe the best, even when in our own interpretation, our own understanding of the situation, we don't see things lining up. We're not a courtroom lawyer where we're trying to prove anything. And so I think you you nailed it in your transition. Volitionally, I have to posture myself to believe the best. Or number three, we need to show them love. We need to remember that even if you're dealing with somebody who's lying to you, a lot of times we take that as a personal affront. When we feel hurt and offended by that. And the right response in the moment when someone's treating us at least the way we would interpret it that way as unloving is we need to show them love, right? Reminding ourselves of passages like Romans 12, 21, show them love in that moment. And when you begin to love someone who's lying to you over and over, what I think we see from passages like Romans 12, 21, you're heaping those burning coals and the spirit can then do his job. And now after that, I think one of the things I've found most helpful is when I see discrepancies, when I see areas that I think that they may not be forthcoming with all of the truth, they may be misdirecting me. Often people don't outright lie. They they deceive, they leave pieces out. I'll just usually ask them to write out answers to the questions. And that allows me time, process the information better. It allows them sometimes uh, an opportunity for better and more robust communication. And then they can often submit those answers to us for the next meeting, especially when it involves things like conflict or other kind of challenging things that require us to ask really good questions, having them write it out. Then that becomes an opportunity for when you are going to eventually do that next step of confrontation, you can point to, well, here's what you wrote here and here's what you wrote there. Help me understand, again, through asking some of those questions, help me understand how do we have these two discrepancies? I've found having them write out their narratives, 
write out some of the answers to the questions and just be really helpful. And then I do believe at some point you have to just ask very direct questions, not making accusations. I don't think that that's the most helpful way to go about talking to someone you think is lying, but very front forward, help me understand how is this true and this true. That's kind of what some people would call confrontation. I think it's better to go asking questions. Then six, to pray for them. I mentioned loving earlier, but I think this is a response for us as counselors. We need to pray for our people to do it regularly. And it's so easy. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. When, when someone's lying to me, I'm not ready right away to pray for them, to love them that way, to, to bring them before my heavenly father and say, I think this guy's lying to me. Father, would you first of all be with me in my own heart? And then would you be moving in them? And then lastly, I would say be patient. You know, I told that introduction story about the guy who was lying. It took about 10 to 12 weeks. I don't remember exactly. It's been a while. That guy was lying to the counselor over and over. He patiently loved him, patiently prayed for him. And then one day he just came in and he's like, I got to be honest, I've been lying about everything. But the way that you have treated me, that means I want to be here. Now, there, there might be more steps. There might be some other ones that we'd add in there. But, but having seen that in my own life, in the life of others, and using it in my own ministry, I think that's been a helpful process. Josh, that's really helpful. As I think through some of the things that you said, really critical, you know, th- those moments can go one of two ways. The counselee can totally retract. Maybe they start to distrust the counselor or they just, you know, decide within themselves, this is not worth it. I'm going to do something else. So they could totally dismiss the whole counseling process, say, ah, this just isn't for me. It didn't work or whatever. Those are devastating and difficult scenarios. But a question for us is how do we deal with a counselee when they confess, when they bring this before us and they say, like your friend did, you know, man, I've been, I've been lying. The Lord has convicted me of this. The Lord has used you to, to reveal some of this by his work in me and the word and the work of the Holy Spirit. What do we do in that moment when a counselee comes to us and, and confesses, man, I've been lying? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all going to experience these dynamics. We've all been lied to in counseling, and we have to do something in that moment when, when we see that they're coming forward. Uh, let me at least throw down uh, four things that I think uh, are helpful in those moments. Number one, help them worship something better. Right, we got to go back to the question of desires. What were they wanting? And, and what they weren't wanting was to please Christ no matter what in any situation. So help them worship. And that has to be really specific, right? If, if they're worshiping ease, then I, I think you can't just say, well, worship Jesus. Can we move on, right? As counselors, we have to specifically go after specific lies that they believe and, and then get specific truth with specific steps, specific desire changes. Help them worship something better. So for example, if it's there's that strong desire to look good in people's eyes, that praise of man. I'm going to help them walk down the path of humility. You know, the late Tim Keller said, it's impossible to humiliate the humble. So I'm going to help them see over and over again, right? If you're struggling with humiliation as we deal with this, that helps us see we still have pride in your heart. Number two, I'm going to remind them of their practical identity in Christ. In those moments when we've sinned, 
Satan's right there. He's ready to accuse us. Revelation 12 reminds us he's there to accuse us day and night. So who are you in Christ? Yes, you've failed. Yes, you've lied. But who are you in Christ, right? You're a child. You're redeemed. You're forgiven if you've confessed. Remind them who they are, taking them to those very specific passages. But also encourage step three, then. We got to get a clear and honest confession. We got to set the record straight. And so just saying, look, I've been lying to you. Okay, thanks. You've been lying. Okay, let's do this the way God would want us to do. Let's say the same thing that God has been saying. You've been saying something else. So why don't you take some time, write out very specifically how have you lied to me? How have you lied to others? How have you lied to God? Let's get it very specific. Where did you do that? And then to go to them and ask for forgiveness, telling them of your plan of repentance. Don't just apologize and declare, I've lied to you, but what are we going to do about that? And then lastly, where I think biblical counseling just really comes to roost on issues like this, okay, what is going to be your, your plan? How will you, in the moments of temptation, how will you choose righteousness? So let's get some very specific steps that when those lies come back, when those wrong desires are present, when you're considering telling a lie, let's come up with a very clear plan, step by step. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the people we're going to talk to. Here's where we're going in the scriptures. Let's make sure we got a very robust plan that the counselor has, the counselee has, any advocates have. We want to make sure that we don't just leave them high and dry. What will you do? Because this, it's probably going to happen again. What are you going to do next time? Josh, I love this discussion. You've taught us several things today that I think are critical. And top on the list is how do we break this cycle in a counselee? You know, who knows what the rest of their life could look like because the Lord has used this moment to to make them speak the truth. And maybe they can learn then to see that fruit arise within them. A couple of things you've taught us about ourselves as counselors that I, I think are really helpful is approach situations with humility, but also with boldness, humility and saying, you know what, like, I, I'm not perfect. I may be understanding this wrong, wrongfully in the way we ask questions, but then also not, not being afraid to you know, ask these types of questions, because that may be the very thing that sparks confession. The Spirit uses to spark confession within this person. Josh, really helpful to think through these issues. These are certainly very raw, real issues that we face in the counseling room, and appreciate you helping us think through it biblically. And great to be with you, Dale. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. You know, I want to remind you about a price jump that will happen at the end of March. And I say that because this week alone, we are offering a second chance pricing back to our January prices. If you remember, we did a January 31 price jump. And this is an opportunity for those of you who procrastinated, you waited maybe longer than you had hoped. This is an opportunity this week only from February 26th to next week, March 3rd, one week only. You can use the promo code when you register for the conference, TIL24. So 
If you go to our website during this week, use the code TIL24 for our October 7 through 9, 2024 conference in Fort Worth, Texas, The Care of Christ. We will give you that same pricing that you had opportunity to have in January. So I want to encourage you, if you've been waiting, this is your chance. There'll be another price jump at the end of March. So this is your chance to get the best pricing that you'll get all spring, TIL24. Go to our website, uh, look up events, go register, put in this promo code, and you'll get that best price for the spring. And you can do that as always at biblicalcounseling.com. 